leap of faith. Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend slash my co-host, Devin. And today, we are joined again by Mike Thomas from the Chatter After slash Collider slash Amateur Otaku Podcasts. And today, we're going to be giving our views and insights on the final episode of HBO's The Last of Us original series, which is based off of a video game of the same name, Episode 9. We only get nine episodes this season. Episode 9 is titled, Look for the Light. And before we begin today's episode, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter at Film Optics. That is optics with an X. Or you can email us at filmoptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Gentlemen, gentlemen, how was your weekend? I feel like it's, you know, it always goes by just a little bit too fast, especially this weekend with the time change. But we'll start with Mike. Mr. Mike, how was your weekend? Uh, Yeah, so usually you ask this question. It's like, you know, it's good. Watched some movies, had a good time, played some games. No, this this weekend kind of sucked. Power outages, snowstorms, not fun. But we had the Oscars. That was cool. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We had the Oscars. Obviously, we we had uh, the Last of Us finale and um, Attack on Titans been going on. So you know, I've been uh, trying to play catch up with season four, but slowly but surely, but I'm I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry that that <laughs> happened to you this weekend, man. I mean, it's it, it can be very tough when it comes to that stuff. You know, li- living in the frozen tundra. It's not all what it's cracked up to be. Like, I love it around, you know, like the holiday time. But like any other time during the year, it can kind of just, you know, go away. (laughs) It can all go away. But you know what? It can't all be for nothing, right? Yeah. We have a job to do. (laughs) We have a job to do. Just look for the light. Just look for the light. (laughs) When you're lost in a snowbank. Get off the road and don't <laughs> make sure you, you don't get hit by a uh, a snowplow truck. I guess I don't too know. <laughs> soon, too soon. <laughs> I apologize. Hey, I mean, you know, Mike. Mike's from like the true north. Like me and Devin are from like you know Cleveland, Ohio. Mike Mike's up there, so like he's we get snow, but he gets like Canada snow. <laughs> It is snowing right now as we speak, and I hate it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention it. It is snowing here, but it's definitely not any of that level. Oh, it's it's nothing but sunshines and rainbows down here. Actually, not really. All right, it's not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not snowing, but actually, yeah, it's it's been pretty cold today. Um, just like that standard grayish weather, but no snow. It rains here a lot, but that's about it. But Devin, how was your weekend? What have you been watching and what have you been up to this weekend altogether? 
It was a pretty solid weekend. I watched uh, the part two of season four of You, which was okay. And I also wrapped up uh, Poker Face, which was a pretty solid ending. And then watched the Oscars last night, which was overall a good time, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I, I hopped in the Discord there for a bit. It was I hopped in for like thirty minutes and I looked at the time and I'm like, oh, I gotta go watch The Last of Us. So I dipped out, cried myself for like, you know, at least an hour. Then, you know, came back, I was like, Okay, I'm like, did I miss anything? Devin's like, No, you didn't miss any uh major awards. I'm like Yeah, that's like it's like they timed the like all the uh like documentary and short awards to be during The Last of Us, so no one would really miss too much. <laughs> they did. I appreciate the musical performances, though. Those are really good. Oh, yeah. It was great, for sure. <laughs> now that Devin has me thinking about that, I'm like, I wonder if, like, HBO just, like, knew what was up. Like, hey, this is what they usually do. But, I mean, for the Oscars, they usually save the bigger awards or like, the more, you know, the awards that most people you know, tune in for not saying that the other awards aren't, you know, as important. It's just, you know, when it comes to best picture, best actor, actress, yada, 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 all that stuff, they kind of do that later on. So maybe HBO just had a bit of a tip. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Pedro was at the Oscars. It, it does help that this episode was like surprisingly short. Yeah. I mean, hey, Pedro Pascal is at the Oscars. <laughs> so he might have. <laughs> It had an inside job or something going why, on. Why was Ellie not right next to him? Just such a missed I opportunity. Know. I don't know. Not, not, hey, you know, she, she literally she, she follows run. him wherever he goes. Like, come exactly. on. Man. Maybe she was in the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> Just hanging out. <laughs> Maybe in, in the kids section of the Oscars if, if they uh, have something like that. But yeah, I'm glad both of you guys, well, at least, you know, Devin had a normal somewhat weekend. <laughs> I guess for Mike, it was normal because it is snow, but it sucks that he didn't have power. So I'm sorry that that happened to you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, the, the combination of no power and snow made it really cold and insufferable. But, you know, it's okay. I, I'm doing better than Joel was last week, you know, so I can't complain too much. Seriously. <laughs> Man got paid to lay there for an entire episode. I was like, easiest money you could probably <laughs> ever make in your life. But yeah, as for me, um, it was a pretty not yeah, it was a pretty busy weekend altogether. Had to run some errands, um, you know, watch a little bit some Attack on Titan. I've been switching between that and Demon Slayer, and I'm like, I need to focus on one. So it's going to be Attack on Titan because we are nearing towards the end. You know, we're getting that that big buzz there. Um, outside of that, just play, been playing some Hogwarts Legacy. You know, trying to finish up that game, doing everything like all at once, trying to just finish that up and gearing up for other stuff. I don't know. It's just you know, for all these movies and TV shows, it's it's been insane. But yeah, overall, it was a pretty good weekend. You know, watched a little bit of the Oscars. I actually kind of fell asleep right before. They announced, like, you know, best picture and stuff. I was tired, y'all. So We already like, knew who was I'll... winning, so it's okay. Yeah, pretty much. I, I I fell asleep knowing. I was like, it's, you know, it's probably going to be everything everywhere all at once. And lo and behold, as soon as I checked the next day, was <laughs> what if it was, like, women talking? It's like, whoa, that is. That's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm so happy for everybody who worked on everything everywhere all at once. But a part of me wanted just to see the pure chaos of the Fablemans yes. or Avatar, the way of water. La La Land. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Honestly, Mike, I'm right there with you. I love the chaos. I, I love looking at some mess and, you know, all, all that stuff. That would have been awesome. Because I wanted, like, as much as I wanted Coda to win last year, I really wanted Dune to be, like, the dark horse and just, like, come out of nowhere and just be, like, boom. But... Apparently the Oscars don't work that way. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird thing, but with all that said, uh, with all that chitter chatter out of the way, as we mentioned before, we are going to be talking about episode nine, the season finale of HBO's the last of us, which is titled look for the light. If you are new here to the show, welcome, welcome. The way we usually break down these episode reviews is that we get into our initial reactions first then we will hop into our spoiler section and we'll let you know um, right before we get into our spoiler section that we're entering that um, area. And then we usually cap it off with some uh, Tilu trivia, but we kind of usually sprinkle that throughout because we've all played the game. So it's not like really trivia to us, but it really depends on what IMDb has for the trivia. But I have one, well, I don't know if it's like a, super secret now anyway because i mentioned it on the official companion podcast so i guess the secret's out but we're also going to be getting into some uh part two the last of us part two um discourse here just talking about how or how they should structure uh season two for the show since that has been renewed then we'll get into our final thoughts and ratings and then we'll close out for the day so we'll be right back after this introduction to The Last of Us season finale. And we are back with our The Last of Us Episode 9 review. Today, it's we're at the end of the road here, folks. It's It's been a long... Actually, doesn't even feel like nine weeks, I guess, because we've already... We kind of know where the story is going, but there's been a lot of changes this, um, <laughs> this season. It's crazy, but I feel like we should maybe get one more. I thought, you know, everyone's like, oh, there's a secret episode. There's not a secret episode, so <laughs> this is not Sandman, but we're going to get into our next reactions here, <laughs> and I'm going to pass it over to Mike first and then Devin so they can give their initial reactions uh, to this week's episode, and then I'll give mine. So, Mr. Mike, what did you think of this week's episode? This was another great episode of The Last of Us. Um, we're nine weeks, nine episodes into it. You know, I think at this point, Especially as gamers, right? We know where the story is going to go. Uh, it, t- for me, the most fascinating bit is seeing people who haven't played the game be shocked and stunned by how it ends. But uh, this was pretty by the numbers. I feel like this is, might be the most faithful singular episode we've gotten, right? Like we have the cold open, which I'm sure we'll touch on in depth a little bit later. But um, they just faithfully adapt the ending of the game. It felt a little a little rushed. Uh, and I was talking to Brandon about this on our podcast. I feel like we needed that action sequence to be a little bit 
longer. Um, when you get to the end of this episode, again, not not too many spoilers because I know we're not in the spoiler section. When you get towards the end of, of the episode, you have this big moment with Joel and Ellie in the final moments. And it didn't hit quite the way I wanted it to. And I feel like in the game, that moment comes after like a 30 minute gameplay sequence. And that's like a big sigh of relief, a big deep breath, if you will. Here, it kind of felt abrupt. So the way like it just kind of ends, I don't think it has the same impact as where the game ends, if that makes sense. And we can talk about that a little bit more uh, in the spoiler section. But overall, I thought it was a really strong episode, a great, a great finish to a fantastic series. And I do think it's interesting knowing that there is a part two where they go from here. Because, you know, when we played the game, we didn't know if there was ever going to be a sequel to The Last of Us. So it's an entirely different context this time around, which I think is fascinating. I could not agree more, Mike. We're definitely going to, you know, dive into, especially that opening scene, which... made me cry just so so hard but Devin what are your initial reactions or initial thoughts I should say to this week's episode yeah I think we're all in agreement here um, another great episode this season definitely up there among the the top episodes of the season I'd say um, I would agree that it also follows the the game uh, to the book for the most part they did a good job of kind of keeping the ending accurate not changing up something just to change up something like they didn't do anything radical or like throwing a curveball at any point. Um, obviously, the opening here is, is a bit different, and I really liked getting back to another cold opening. Had to have another one before the season ended because those are some of the most powerful scenes in the entire show, and we got another one here. Um, I also love, throughout the entire season, how they've been able to incorporate the voice actors and the video, uh, the motion actors, into different roles for this series. Just such a good job of that. Like, all of them did such a good job, and they were able to find such unique characters for them to play, especially Troy Baker's. I just love the hilarious irony of him trying to hunt and kill Ellie. Just, it was just great. Um, and then, obviously, this week we had Ashley Johnson, um, who could not have had a more perfect role for someone who was the voice of Ellie in the video game. Um, but other than that, I would agree that I wish there was a bit more from the action scene that we got. Because it is a bit of a shorter episode, just like last week. It's around like 40 to 45 minutes, like definitely on the shorter side, considering mm-hmm. what you normally expect from a big grand finale. Um, I think that might be one of the more glaring issues of the show, of the series itself so far. It's just lack of action scenes throughout, especially when it seems like these past two episodes, you've, you do have some time. Like, even if you just threw in like a five minute infected chase. Um, to one of these or both these episodes like that could have added a lot of of value to the show but i think overall it's hard to complain too much when the emotional impact and the character drama is it's also there and it just it keeps you keeps you watching and engaged all the way to the end let's take a quick break did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Well said, for sure. Um, as far as 
my initial reactions, you know, they, they pretty much echo Mike's and, and Devin's, you know, every single episode of this season has been amazing. And, you know, with the season finale, the first thing I checked, you know, was the runtime to see, and I was like, okay, it is around like, I think it was like 50, 55 minutes. So yeah, it's probably pushing like that 45, 50 minute mark. Um, when it came to the cold open, like you guys said, it was the perfect way to <laughs> close out the series. And it's something I've been waiting for the entire like season. Cause I knew As- Ashley Johnson was <laughs> going to be playing Ellie's mom. It like slipped a while ago. Like as soon as they, announced that Troy Baker and Anne Ashley Johnson would be a part of this show. And someone just like kind of out and said it and, you know, people were like confirming it. So we didn't know who Troy was playing at the time, but it was confirmed that Ashley Johnson was playing um, Ellie's mother. And I think that is a beautiful way to have the uh, first performer of um, Ellie give birth to her own character in the show. And, you know, we'll definitely talk about that scene because it, it, it really just destroyed me. I was like, I am not going to survive this again <laughs> altogether, <laughs> but I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, you, you know, there, there are a few parts where I do agree where it felt a little rushed. And obviously this, they decided to focus on the human side of the story altogether and not have as many infected they were a little missed for me, for sure. I just wish we had just a little bit more action to kind of balance it out. You know, it doesn't have to be like The Walking Dead because this is its own show. And it's really not a zombie show. And I've usually that's usually what I tell people. It, it's, you know, these infected like, yeah, they have zombie mannerisms, but they're infected. It's not like, you know, they're, they're still the same person they were like these people don't die and then, you know, are brought back to life. It's, it's different, but similar at the same time. But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just saying, I agree. I do think it's, um, you, you have no idea how hard it was to sit on the Ashley Johnson thing. Cause week after week <laughs> you would rant about when is she showing up? I'm like, I can't tell this guy that's the last episode. That's just too, too cruel. <laughs> Speaking of Ashley Johnson, did you guys listen to the, uh, the after podcast on HBO? Of course. Or from HBO. Yeah. Hearing her voice. It, it's insane. She's, she, she makes an appearance on the podcast and, Obviously, Troy Baker, he's a voice actor, very prolific. He does, like, voices, like, different voices for different characters. But Ashley Johnson, she just is Ellie. Like, that's her voice. Like, there's there's no changing it. So when you hear that voice on the podcast, it's like, whoa, Ellie is just speaking right now. Like, that's just weird. Like, the laugh is insanely, like, the same as well. It's just weird, but amazing. It's even weirder when you watch uh, The Legend of Vox Machina and... Pike is just Ellie. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. And actually, me and Mike, it's funny that Devin mentions that because me and Mike were talking a little bit earlier in the day and he had mentioned me saying he he started listening to the episode. And, you know, like uh, Devin said, Ashley Johnson appears on the episode. It it would be cruel not to, to, you know, invite her on this. But Mike was like, this is really messing with my mind (laughs) because (laughs) it's. Because Ashley Johnson, you know, she like Devin said, she doesn't alter her voice to sound like Ellie. It's she's she's just speaking in, in her natural dialect. 
And I thought that was hilarious, but yeah, it messed with my mind because I'm just hearing Ellie, but I love Ashley Johnson so much. And it's almost the same thing. I was, I think I told Mike about this when I started listening to the braving of the elements avatar, the last airbender podcast, you have, you know, Dante Bosco and Jeanette Varney, um, you know, uh, voicing Cora and Zuko. And when I first started listening to it, it's in my head. I was just imagining Zuko and Cora just sitting down with like, you know, in a podcast studio, like as their characters, it messed with my mind so much, but yeah, it's sometimes certain, you know, people's voices were just affiliated with a specific character so strongly, but yeah, I I thought that was pretty awesome. Can we talk about how big of a missed opportunity it was to not have that podcast be called the avatar and the fire Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I know. It was right there. It was right there. You know, I'm pretty sure it was, It had to be a workshop name. I, I, I need you to pull, pull out your contacts, Mike. Do a little digging, you know, over on the Collider <laughs> side. See what you can find, and we'll we'll break the news. We'll, we'll break the story here on the show. <laughs> I'm on it. I'll get my best reporter on it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Zuko here. <laughs> But yeah, uh, as far as my initial reactions, in short, it, it was just a great episode. Um, but is there anything else you guys wanted to mention before we just head into spoilers? Because we definitely got to talk about that opening scene because it it made me cry. And I was just, I, I, I couldn't handle it. It was, it was too much. But is there anything else that you guys wanted to mention before we head into our spoiler section? It's time. Let's do it. It's a great episode. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the podcast. All right, guys. Let's let's go on. Home. I guess we should mention that um, it had had uh, season high viewership despite going up against the Oscars. It did. It did. I I think I follow the wrong people on social media because nobody like I felt like I was just tweeting about The Last of Us and no one was responding. Like I saw no one talking about it, and then it's like, oh, more people watch this episode than any other night. I'm like, okay, I need new friends. <laughs> yeah, because I just had <laughs> film Twitter was all Oscars. I get it, but it's like I was the only person tweeting about The Last of Us. Yeah, last night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially you know with with the people that we know and in, in the uh, in the film Twitter circle when it comes to film critics, it's you know we we kind of get sucked into that, and it's like yeah, it's the same night, but for them, you know, priorities Oscars. Uh, for us, more so The Last of Us for sure. But, you know, we definitely tuned in for the Oscars. But, yeah, I kind of noticed that, too. And I was like, huh. Um, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But, hey, I, I stopped watching the Oscars at the perfect time, and turned it on, and just and just had a ball. But I'm not very surprised that people, you know, like, this is, like, the highest viewership for, you know, the season finale. Because Every single one of my friends that I talked to throughout the weekend, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, what are you guys doing this weekend? You know, they tell me their plans. And then they say they're going to watch The Last of Us. I'm like, oh, you guys are going to watch the Oscars. It's on, um, you know, it airs during the, during the night, uh, during the same, you know, night as The Last of Us. And they're like, oh, no, we don't watch that anymore. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> it's the Oscars viewership has been going down 
on like a downward spiral over the past few years. I'm not sure what their numbers were for this year in 2023, but yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where I think it's just award shows in general. I don't think a lot of people really watch award shows anymore. So, but yeah, I mean, kudos to the last of us for literally, I mean, they, they survived the super bowl <laughs> and the Oscars. <laughs> That's how well, like, they did move for the super bowl to be fair. I mean, it, it did, but I mean, we, that that's because of Rihanna, of course. We we had to let Rihanna have the spotlight when she can. <laughs> well, she was also at the Oscars, so I don't know. She was. She was, and one of my favorite moments was Pedro Pascal during the pre-coverage. Like he <laughs> stated, "I want to see Rihanna," and then somebody had the information wrong. They told him that she wasn't going to perform, and he just looks so disappointed. Oh. And the camera pans to him during her performance. He just had the biggest smile on his face. He was so excited. I'm just yeah. like, what a guy. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Joel got his happy ending twice this week. <laughs> he did. He really did. Oh, even with Lady Gaga, I thought that she wasn't supposed to perform at the Oscars. And then I saw on sca- on stage, I'm like, oh, I guess she either, you know, finished her Joker, you know, um, shooting for the Joker too or whatnot. I don't know. I just heard that she wasn't supposed to be there. But yeah, it, it's nice that Pedro got his, his happy ending again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But with all that said, let's jump into our spoiler section here. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen the season finale episode nine of The Last of Us, that is your first spoiler warning for this episode again. That is your second spoiler warning for The Last of Us episode nine. So if you have not seen it, turn back now. And we're going to just continue on the conversation. So I I feel like the biggest change, you know, we've kind of talked about how in the initial reaction section that it's pretty much beat for beat when it comes to the end of the game. You know, a lot of cutscenes, a lot of dialogue are ripped straight through. Some of the dialogues changed a little bit, but the biggest change, I would say, is, of course, Devin mentioned that, you know, you have to end an amazing show like this the way that you started it. And that's with a cold open. And we see Ashley Johnson uh, plays Anna, which is the name of Ellie's mother. And she is, she is, she is pregnant as all get out. Just running through those woods <laughs> for a second. I was like, I feel like they made her belly too big. It almost looked like she was carrying twins, but then there was like in certain angles. I'm like, okay, it looks, you know, like she's only carrying one child, but what did you guys think of this episode or this opener? Because I mean, if I start, I'm going to start crying, but I'll pass thought, it thought, thought I was watching a, another quiet place sequel at one point. I was like, Oh, oh look. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's very true. Very reminiscent of Emily Blunt, you know, giving um, birth to, you know, her, her third child or technically her fourth child. In the bathroom. That was a killer scene, by the way. But yeah, it's very reminiscent of that. But I'll pass it over to Mike, then we'll go to Devin, just talking about the opening scene and what what you thought of it, because I I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this scene. Um it it's one of those things like Devin mentioned the cold opens earlier, right? Like how they've been a cornerstone of this entire journey throughout The Last of Us. HBO. So I was really surprised and extremely happy that we got this um, 
this flashback, excuse me. But yeah, I really, really dug it. And, you know, not knowing who Ashley Johnson was going to play beforehand, because Christian, like everything you heard about her being Ellie's mother was a rumor. And then the trailer oh. showed her holding a baby. And so mm. people took that as con- as confirmation, but they never revealed it. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. I, I, I did presume on that part, I think. Yeah. I mean, everybody presumed correct. But, uh, you know, like <laughs> in the lead up during during when I got the screener in the lead up to that, I'm like, OK, what's going on here? And then we have that whole that whole moment with Marlene. And I, I was telling Brandon this changes everything in my opinion like not only is it a great addition but it just adds so much more context to how special Mm. of a case ellie is right because you can't recreate the circumstances that made ellie immune right like like it was almost a perfect storm it's tragic but it was almost a perfect storm of event events of mother is pregnant getting giving birth she gets infected and it somehow miraculously doesn't affect the child in a harmful way. It makes her one with the cordyceps, if you will. So all of that lore stuff was really interesting, but in the scene itself, I really loved uh, Meryl Dandridge and Ashley Johnson. I think getting Ellie and Marlene, the originals, back together for one scene was really cool. (laughs) If only we could find a way to shoehorn Troy Baker into this episode, it would have been perfect. (laughs) But... (laughs) You know, I love the little reunion there. I thought they played off each other very well. Um, it was just so emotional. The entire mm-hmm. scene. Like, seeing that stalker, and that's the only infected we get this episode, I think, right? It's the one stalker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's our last uh, infected for the season. But they made sure they made that as intense as possible. And one thing I appreciate about this show so far is that we don't need a horde of clickers or infected to up the tension and stakes. One has right. been enough. Cause even in episode seven, when Riley and Ellie are going against that runner, um, that one was enough to make that a terrifying and chilling scene. So I really appreciate how they've gone about setting the stage. It makes uh, episode five, I believe with Sam and Henry even more intense because you see that bloater yes. and that horde of infected <laughs> show up yes so i really loved all of that i but again ashley johnson she did great and i think the ramifications of that scene alone fundamentally changes the ending and we'll talk about that in a sec yeah i honestly i if you know if if we were you know uh sponsored by hbo i would definitely play the scene i probably could but you know I don't want like some season. This is from HBO <laughs> coming, you know, knocking on our door and whatnot. But you know, if if you have seen it, you know, you definitely know what we're talking about. Um, I'll pass it over to Devin so he can give his thoughts on the opening, uh, the cold open to the finale of The Last of Us. Yeah, I definitely love the exchange between Anna and Marlene here. Um, it's pretty poetic, and like just seeing the parallels of this this finale specifically. It starts with a lie and then ends with a lie both of which are there to protect Ellie. I just think that was really well done. Because you can tell, I mean, obviously Anna lied about um, when she said that she cut the umbilical cord before getting bit. Like, obviously, that's not what occurred. But I think Marlene knew she was lying, though, because you you just know the alternative is what you had to do to that baby. And Marlene just isn't going to... Who's going to do that? Like, 
mm. who has the in it who has it in them in their heart to do that so i just love that that lie it's just mutually understood as to what the mission is for this child now and then how it ends very similarly as well yeah i totally agree with you devin um when it comes to that scene like you said it pretty much this this entire thing you know regardless if this is like a flashback or not you know when ellie is born this whole thing starts with a lie to protect ellie and ends with a lie you know like mike said we're definitely going to talk about that the the ending here in in a second but i when that stalker just came through you know ashley johnson is just running through the woods you know she's she's holed up at this this firefly safe house and like no one's there suspiciously. No one's there. I was like, Oh my gosh, like, is she going to be ambushed or, you know, what's going on? Cause that, that, um, that stalker was like tracking her down. I was like, man, it ran all the way from the woods, like knew exactly where she was. It, it was a very tense moment. Like you guys said, it's, it's a perfect scene as to where the protagonist or the person or the character that you're fo- following is, literally helpless and like we saw with Joel in last week's episode where, you know, he has one shot to take down that guy when he was more so immobilized and Ellie kind of gave him the heads up saying, Hey, you know, there are people in the area. Like I think what the show's done great so far is, you know, taking characters who are in their most vulnerable state and them still being able to, overcome the obstacle that is placed before them. But for Ashley Johnson's scene as Anna, you know, when she's fending off that stalker, it's like, you know, we, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, we know that she's already dead, but h- how does she die? Is she get shot by Fedra? Does Marlene kill her? Which she does, but like, it could have been like a different circumstance kind of thing. And we, we find out that, you know, Anna played by Ashley Johnson is she's going to do anything to lie, to protect her child. And that includes lying to Marlene. Like you guys said, you know, she, she said it twice. She said, Oh, I cut the umbilical cord before I was bitten. And she says before again, like, do you understand what I'm saying? I need you to, you know, believe this lie. And Marlene being the she's stoic in a way very hard-headed but just you know she she gets stuff done and it's it kills her inside because you know her and anna were really good friends but i agree mike it it definitely changes a lot of things with you know uh ellie getting her switchblade and then her green jacket um that we see her wear, wear throughout the series it was just a very powerful scene and you know, the way that Ashley Johnson's like, I need someone to bring her up. I need someone to protect her because, you know, she only has like, I think it was like 10 to 15 hours before she, you know, turns. And she was ready to kind of just end it to protect her child. But uh, yeah. it's crazy, man. I was like, it, it was it was literally perfect. And I'm glad you didn't say anything, Mike, where you're like, oh, yeah, it's in the last episode. Because I was like, I don't know. Ashley Johnson's my girl. I absolutely love her work, everything that she does. And it was it was perfect. It was so perfect. And I'm so glad we got that, um, that expedi- expedition that 
more context to the relationship between Marlene and Ellie. Because in the game, we know that she knew Ellie's mom, but obviously we didn't really get all of this. But whew, crazy, crazy stuff. It acts as Neil Druckmann's uh, director's cut, essentially, right? Like, these are moments that you can tell that gameplay-wise, they wouldn't make sense in a video game. But these are all story beats that fit organically into the into the lore of The Last of Us. Like, this didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like it didn't belong or it was a weird addition. It felt seamless in a way. And I really yeah. like how they placed it, right? Like, the way they set this scene up, it's the cold open. We're used to that. But I like how we transition to Ellie's isolation. And we see mm-hmm. how the encounter with David and everything that has led up to this moment has affected her, right? And... I also love the idea of find somebody who will protect her in that person panning back to Pedro Pascal as Joel, which is again, great mirror imagery that Devin was talking about with the beginning being a lie and the ending being a lie to protect Ellie. And it kind of just harkens back to the lie that, uh, Anna tells Ellie being infected could have caused major problems in the same way that Joel not allowing Ellie uh, or allowing them to to sacrifice Ellie essentially in hopes for a cure. I think that's interesting how they kind of tie back around to these are two parents that'll do anything to protect their kid, even if it dooms someone else. And that's just the theme of The Last of Us. It's just toxic love in a way. And the and I love how this goes back to episode two of Save Who You Can Save. Anna, Marlene, and Joel could save Ellie and that's what they did. And whether that was the right decision or not, you know, that's up to the viewer Mm -hmm. in a way, but I thought that was a very interesting theme throughout the series. Yeah. It's actually a good transition to kind of talk about the ending there because I feel like it is like very polarizing as far as an ending goes. Like it's like 50, 50 down the middle, depending on your circumstance. We might just need to jump to the ending at this point and circle back to everything else. (laughs) So, yeah, so the ending, you know, we've basically, you know, the fireflies end up finding them, you know, instead of the other way around. Nice little irony moment there. But, you know, when Joel and Ellie are captured, you know, this this whole thing goes down where we get a little bit more insight into what exactly made Ellie immune in the first place. Because I guess th- that would be a question that a lot of... Th- gamers would have asked for me it was more just you know for whatever reason she was born you know immune and that's just the way it is because some people just have stronger immune systems everyone's body is built different you know when they're born um you know more people are susceptible to certain like during flu season other people aren't you know when it comes to all that stuff but yeah the ending is probably the the biggest talking point uh especially 10 years later you know when the video game first came out in playstation 3 where the the second lie is you know joel finding out that ellie has to die in order for a vaccine to be produced in order for you know the the infection quote unquote, like that's growing in her brain to be reverse engineered into a vaccine. And Joel lies to Ellie saying, Hey, you know, there's a million other kids, like not a million, but there are other kids like you who are immune and they couldn't find a cure. So like Mike was saying, it's, 
I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily use the word toxic love, but I would, well, yeah, I think so. Cause now that I think about it, it's, you know, the lengths of what people would do to protect their loved ones, no matter how toxic that choice could be or how selfish that choice could be. But I wanted to get your guys' opinions on, you know, it, it's such an ambiguous ending where Ellie makes Joel swear to him that, you know, everything she says about the fireflies is true about, you know, them not finding a cure. I wanted to ask you guys, do you, how do you interpret that? Do you think that Ellie knows the truth or do you think she's just, you know, like, Oh, okay. You know, like, yeah, like it's, it's going to take me a second to accept this, but I wanted to kind of pass over to you guys. So we'll start with Devin and then we'll go to Mike. Yeah, this is kind of the the thing where Neil Druckmann mentioned it in the podcast where um, it's pretty much 50-50 down the middle as far as whether you think Joel made the right decision or not. It, it kind of just depends on if you have a child or if you don't. That's pretty much like 50-50 exactly. Because like, I, mean, I remember when I first played the game, I beat it. Joel makes this decision. I'm like, wow, Joel's selfish. Like, that's a selfish decision. You could have saved the world, but obviously I don't have a kid. I didn't have a kid then, and I still don't now. So there's just that little extra something that you that gets added to your psyche when you have a child for yourself, and that just goes into the decision-making, especially for Jill here. And it's just very interesting to see because and then in the end, when, when Ellie finds out, doesn't find out the truth and just what her mind space is, because she's in a broken world, and it's it actually is starting to break her as well. I like that scene between them where she's just kind of ignoring him and she's she's really quiet just because of everything she just went through because she's becoming broken and it's kind of sad to see, but she knows that he can be the one that protects her and then he's realizing that he needs to be the one that protects her and they've, they're becoming one in a way and kind of realizing that they need each other and that they do indeed love each other, even if it is a toxic love. All right, Mike, what about you? Yeah, well... First off, we've got to dance around a little bit because of The Last of Us Part 2. So we're going to try and keep this strictly yes. <laughs> The Last because of Devin, Us. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> Devin has not played the game yet. Devin hasn't played, and I have to assume the audience. <laughs> yeah. Devin's in the so, audience shoes now. <laughs> yeah, so we're just going to dance around that. But um, as far as the context of this story and the first game and this season, I definitely think Ellie knows uh, cause Joel's a bad liar. Like he wasn't even convincing when he was saying it <laughs> in all honesty. Uh, yes, and I, question mark. <laughs> I love, th- but that's how great of an actor, uh, Pedro Pascal is and how good he is as Joel to where he's been acting his butt off this entire season. And in that moment, you can tell that, yeah, Joel is struggling with this lie, but he's just nodding. Yes. Like, this is the decision I'm making. The reason that I refer to it as toxic, because um, again, being in Joel's shoes, I can't ever imagine sacrificing your your adopted child, essentially, or any friend uh, to die in any circumstance, even though I know this is a cure to save humanity. The thing is, he, like, he calls Marlene a hypocrite because she's stealing Ellie's choice. But Joel also steals her choice. Yes. Because at at be, at worst, like the worst thing he should have done was after he gets into the operating room, he should have held them hostage. He had a rifle. They had a scalpel. There was no way they were going to take him down. He could have at least held them hostage, woken Ellie up, and then say, hey, 
they, they you might die from this. Are you sure you want to go through with it? But he robs her of that choice, just same way Marlene robs her of that choice. And that's what I mean by the beginning, tri- the trickle-down effect of what that new cold open does is that, one, we now know Marlene has an attachment in some form or fashion to Ellie. We kind of felt that in the game, but we now see that she is the daughter of her best friend. And she has saved Ellie's butt twice because Ellie got infected when she was with Riley and she made sure nobody shot her. So we know that she has some sort of connection or love for Ellie. And then we get to the point where, again, back in episode one, she fully knows that Ellie is going to die at the end of this journey. And she tells Tess and Joel to escort her anyway. And so I think that's, it's just mind blowing to me how we have all that information. Having the new information, I think makes the lie worse because like I was saying, you can't recreate this event. And by robbing Ellie of the choice to go through with it or not may have just doomed humanity because from the game's perspective, you always have the out of, well, we don't know if it was going to work. Was it really worth it? And so I was always in the camp of Joel did a, did it the bad thing, but the reason is justifiable with the new context of how rare a case Ellie is. Because again, in the games, we don't know why she's immune. Now knowing that this is like a one in a million thing, it makes you really second guess of like, okay, uh, hmm, maybe there was a better way to go about this. Not just from Joel's perspective, but also Marlene's, you know? <laughs> So it just makes it makes this even worse. Yeah, I was gonna bring up. Speaking of Marlene, did we, you know Marlene's background? I, we might have missed it sometime, but like, did did she lose family members at, at some point, similar to what Joel did? I'm assuming so. Um, there are like a few uh, comics for The Last of Us. I actually have not read them, um, but I don't know how far into. Marlene's backstory it really goes to I'm because that's that's fascinating to me to compare that because obviously Marlene like like Mike mentioned was more than willing to let let uh, Ellie die if if the greater if the cause was for the greater good and saving humanity Um, but maybe if she had a similar fate to Joel where she lost a son or a daughter it would have been a different decision Mm -hmm. and I actually want to touch on what Mike said because you know it's it's essentially lightning striking twice you know the the situation as to how ellie became immune so you know ellie's in and you know she's she's gone under they're about to perform the surgery marlene does not marlene makes a choice for her and then joel obviously makes another choice for her but i'm still like in the camp like i'd never view Joe as a villain, but I never view them as a hero because it's, it's like the game of Thrones effect. There are a lot of great characters in game of Thrones that you still love and or hate, no matter the terrible things that they do, or, you know, they can be stoic the one moment, but extremely selfish the next, because that definitely happens a lot in that series. And I view the last of us the same way where Every character in this series is a great character. There are no heroes. There are no villains because this is a broken world. And how do you like, there are some people that may go to greater lengths than others, but how do you sort out the, the good people, you know, the inherently good people to the inherently bad people? Because 
Yeah, Ellie had to kill Riley, obviously, to survive. But she's also been following Jill's footsteps. And we've seen how violent Ellie can be. And given the chance, you know, she can definitely take down somebody if, if, if the situation was in her favor. But when it comes to Joel making that decision, you know, it's, it's almost as if, is, will lightning strike twice with Ellie's birth and her immunity, that situation? And would they even create a successful vaccine to help humanity and even if they do everyone's going to be fighting for that and i think that's going to make things a lot worse me personally but you know that's just my take on joel's decision sorry go ahead i was just gonna say but you know you were talking about lightning striking twice that again makes this even harder because it really is the perfect storm of ellie is close to marlene Marlene might be the only person outside of Fedra who can even fathom creating some sort of vaccine or cure. So if somehow the same circumstances happen, right? Some woman gets infected in the middle of labor and the child ends up immune. One, that kid may never know that they're immune. Two, if they somehow find out, they're not going to have the connections to get the job done to synthesize a vaccine. And that those are the things where it's like, yeah, they this will never happen again. And Joel may have just robbed the world of their one shot. Now, granted, there's a chance that this was a crappy looking hospital. We don't know how well trained <laughs> these doctors are. It may not have worked. And that's why during the game, I was firmly in the, you know, whatever happens, happens camp, because there's no there's no guarantee that it works. But with the right. new added context and how rare of a case Ellie actually is. It's like, ugh, ugh, I second guess that decision now more than I ever have. Fair enough, because it is like, like you said, you know, when, you know, when would another child be like this? You know, if, if the situation ever were to arise, but it's also like thinking like, is this world even worth saving? Because humanity <laughs> has, I, I mean, it's, this is, you know, just me speaking. It's just something I've, thought on for at least 10 years since the game first game came out and it's at least what i'm thinking that joel is thinking like is this world even worth saving because obviously after everything we've seen like cannibals you know you get people in kansas city hunting down you know brothers it's it's crazy stuff how we we get to this point where can humanity even recover what it's lost after a vaccine has been, um, if if a vaccine was successfully created, I mean, you know, we're not doctors here. I don't know how many, you know, if okay, if it doesn't work the first time, you know, are they able to reconstruct it and whatnot? And I don't really know how vaccines are um, are born or just you know manufactured when it comes to that, but. It it mm-hmm. does peg where it's, you know, I've seen even people today online saying like, oh my gosh, you know, Joel was, you know, it was, it was a very, um, my gosh, uh, what was it? Someone had used the word um, arrogance, like an arrogant choice. And I was like, well, I don't think that's necessarily arrogance. It's, it's definitely a selfish choice. Like, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But it's weird because when Ellie 
obviously sees through Joel's lie. And it's her just forcing herself to accept it because she even says in the show that, you know, she will follow him wherever he goes. And I feel like in that moment, she does lose a little bit more trust towards Joel because the last of her innocence is gone, especially after the uh, giraffe scene. And it's, (laughs) it's so, I don't know. We haven't even mentioned the giraffe yet. Oh my God. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We're all over the place, but it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Literally ripped straight from the game. I love the giraffe scene. And I I just looked at trivia. That's a real giraffe. It's not CGI. Really? Surprisingly. Yeah. They went to the real giraffe. So, yeah, um, I had my fun story. I had my screener and, you know, visual effects weren't done on like 90% of the last like three episodes. But the giraffe scene happens and I'm like, wow, this scene isn't finished, but that giraffe looks really good. That has to be great CGI on that giraffe. (laughs) Because like the entire like the entire the entire area is blue screen. There's nothing there. Like there's no buildings. There's nothing. But the giraffe. I'm like, that is a good looking giraffe. That has to be a real giraffe. <laughs> they, they did the giraffe first. And nothing else. They really wanted to focus on him. And for those of you wondering, the giraffe's name is actually Nabo. Interesting game. Oh, nice. Nabo. <laughs> Mike reminded me of a scene from Shrek One where <laughs> Donkey's like walking by a boulder. He's like, I like that boulder. That is a nice boulder. <laughs> Mike's like, I like that giraffe. That is a nice giraffe. <laughs> I mean, after like two or three episodes with unfinished runners, clickers, and bloaters, it was nice to see. So like, oh, okay. That's a real giraffe. <laughs> well, so, well, you know, at least they got the giraffe scene, right? <laughs> I did not know that was a real giraffe. That is funny. But there's a secret cameo in this episode and um it was played by one of the doctors uh one of the surviving doctors where you know joel just didn't decide not to you know blow her brains out but it is played by laura bailey it's a vox machina reunion yes (laughs) (laughs) i need scanlon prato (laughs) for sure but yeah, it, it's, you know, when it comes to the choice of whether or not Joel did the right thing, I don't think there is a right or wrong choice. Cause like Devin said, you know, for people who may not have kids, it might be like 50, 50 where like, yeah, you know, he made the right call or, you know, when it comes to parents, they would probably unequivocally just agree with Joel because parents lie to their kids all the time. And sometimes parents will lie to their kids and not even necessarily care about what the child's thinking. They just need, you know, things to happen no matter what it is, depending on the lie, of course. But, you know, people are acting like Joel just said, Hey, Ellie, there's no Santa Claus or something like that. I I think this is a good opportunity to kind of backtrack a little bit now that we got the ending out of our system. Um, Because yeah, Joel the father, right? Like we've seen their relationship progress so far so far up to this point. I love the moments where Joel can read Ellie and like he can tell that something's wrong. So he starts asking her to read puns and he starts telling her about his guitar and how he wants to teach her how to play one day. And it's like I, I really like those moments. They're very uh earnest and pure, I would say, from Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Like their chemistry really shines in those scenes. What do you guys think about the addition of him telling her 
that he's the guy that missed. That's not from the game. And I thought that was a really raw scene. Yeah, it was definitely surprising to see that. And I think I think Pedro, obviously Pedro killed it. Like, what what TV scene is he not going to kill at this point? Um, but yeah, it was really interesting to see him talk about how he's the one that missed and just having them go back and forth. And it ends up being where Bella says, or Ellie, I should say, says that he's glad that she's glad that he did this, which is kind of like their roundabout way of saying I love you because that's just how they are as people. They they aren't really outward outwardly emotional and they don't really say what they're feeling too often because they're more more keeping inside and just kind of let it build up but that's just kind of their way of saying yes i do love you and i do care about you and it's just kind of so cool to see that yeah a, a very healthy you know relationship where it's like you know we just we, we just keep every <laughs> we bottle everything up inside we never let anything out you know we're we're hardcore out here all we need is ravioli and boggle <laughs> ravioli and boggle and guitars and puns. But uh, to answer your question, Mike, I, I loved it because, you know, and there's always been the question of where Ellie got her scar from as well. But when it comes to Joel's scar, I, I like how they, they gave that little um, extra context because it's almost like a given as to where he would have tried in some, some way, shape, or form, whether it was a bullet to the head or if he tried to, like, hang himself, something of that nature. But I like how it's just a scar on his head because it could literally be anything. Obviously, like, if he tried to hang himself, he has this, you know, burn neck around himself. It's kind of, you know, a given. But I like how it's just, oh, you're like, where did you get this scar? And he just goes into it. Like Devin said, it's, it's there... It is their um, not toxic way of saying I love you because I know people say they have a to- toxic relationship. It's just both of them are not good at expressing their feelings because they have lost so much. And I, I love how but, that leads them to both opening up more down the line where, yeah. where Joel is talking to her about Sarah and how he thinks they would really like each other. That that was so heartwarming. And then Elliot finally opens up about Riley to Joel. The reason I love this episode is because of all those callbacks. And it's not just like Easter eggs or references to be making them, but there's actual story being told, right? Like, remember in episode like two, Joel says, don't ask any questions about me. And then in like episode six, he says, don't talk about Sarah. Never bring her up again. Yeah. And then you see that their relationship has progressed to a point where he's not only okay with her talking about Sarah or asking questions, he is voluntarily giving up information. And Mm. one thing a friend pointed out was if you go back to episode one, he's carrying Sarah and then they get held up by that officer that Mm. mirrors the scene here where he's holding Ellie and he gets stopped by Marlene. And I just love the, 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 the continuation of that premise of, Again, save who you can save. He's never going to lose his daughter again. And that's why he puts a bullet right between Marlene's eyes. And it's... <laughs> you that get to the end of this episode... So cold-blooded. So cold-blooded. You get to the end of this episode, and like to your point, uh, Devin, Joel is talking about how Sarah and uh, Ellie would be, would be friends. Joel just committed like mass murder. And he's got the biggest smile on his face we've ever seen because that's how confident he is in the decision that he's made. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about love at the end of the day. And it, it's even goes more of a callback to, was it episode six when they go to Jackson and they finally made up with Tommy and his wife? Um, I, I pause, I'm blanking on Tommy's wife's name. Yep. Oh, was Val- Maria, I believe Maria. I almost said Valerie totally wrong. Um, Maria even, you know, she, she tries to forewarn Ellie say, Hey, you know, you really don't know what Joel's capable of. And even the people who are closest to you, those are the people are they going to betray you at the end of the day, which in a way, yeah. I mean, Joel did portray Ellie. She did rob, he did rob her of that choice, but it, it goes both ways. It is so, it's one of the most interesting endings of just any story I've ever experienced because there is no right or wrong answer. Like, you know, we keep saying that over and over, but it really is just how you perceive it. And even Troy Baker, had said, you know, the best uh, stories are the ones where, you know, everyone sees something differently play out in the same screen, which goes, goes back to why, you know, people say that film is subjective or just, you know, TV when it comes to these art forms, even video games, it's, it's all subjective and it's whatever the viewer experiences at that point in time, you know, some, some uh, aspects or thoughts may change down the line for either it's for better or for worse, but it really is, you know, Joel just trying to, like you guys said, voluntarily just giving out this information about Sarah and, you know, the effects of what happened with David, with Ellie. And then, you know, we get that giraffe scene. And to me, at least that is, that's the last time we really see Ellie smile and just become a kid because I mean, she's only 14, but so much has happened where she's not even considered a child anymore. And that's very scary when you get to part two, but we're not going to talk about part two for sure. She's only 14, but her mind is older. Sorry. (laughs) Obligatory Hamilton reference. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's, it is all good. But yeah, let's just quickly, I wanted to kind of touch on that the show has announced that, you know, they will be moving forward with the season two. And we kind of got a little bit more information today stating that, um, you know, part two, which it's, which is the next game season two won't necessarily cover all of the events of part two, because that game is bigger. It is longer. Um, I wanted to get your guys thoughts on what you think about their decision to essentially what it sounds like split season or excuse me, part two into two seasons at least, or do you think we'll get more within like, let's say season two, the more context that we haven't had within part two, but I'll start with Mike and then I'll go with Devin. Actually, no, let's start with Devin because he hasn't seen it. I just want to get his thoughts really quick and then we'll go to Mike. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add. Obviously, I haven't seen season two. I don't know how that ends, but I imagine there's definitely a, a third game coming as well at some point. Unless the ending of season two is very definitive, or episode two is, or sorry, the sequel is definitive, which I'm not sure about. But I'd be shocked if there isn't a third Last of Us in the making currently so that they can have more material to work off of. But yeah, I'm glad they're splitting up into two seasons because I know it is a longer game. That that's that's very true. Uh Mike, go ahead. What what are your thoughts about um the second season? 
Well, this is the first I've heard of this, so you're getting my initial reaction to this news. <sighs> um, <laughs> I that makes sense. You know, I've been saying that for a while now. I honestly am still in favor of uh, mild spoilers. I guess season two has a small time skip. I would have been totally mm-hmm. fine with um, the next season actually being within that time skip of seeing uh, Bella, Ramsey, and Pedro Pascal kind of grow into these characters a little bit more instead of just jumping straight into the next game since there is uh, a couple years in between. I just thought mm-hmm. that would have uh, been more ideal for me personally as a fan, especially with how all of the additional material that the show has created has been great, if not better than the original game itself at moments so i'm very confident that they could have done a uh anime original if you will (laughs) season (laughs) of this uh of this show that said the last of us uh part two it's like twice as long as the original game so splitting Mm -hmm. it up makes perfect sense it's a lot more characters especially if they're going to start fleshing it out like if it gets the last of us part one treatment where they're adding those cold opens and they're adding these different moments i can totally see them making two seasons from that uh on the topic like devin was saying about the third game season two well game number two part two kind of ends (laughs) like the first one did in the sense that you could have stopped there but there is room for another one. So I wouldn't be surprised by the time we get to The Last of Us Season 3. I'd be shocked if there isn't a third one currently being developed with all this success. Yeah. I kind of wanted to touch on that as well, because I know uh, Neil Druckmann did comment on it, because they are making The Last of Us like the multiplayer game, um, like their own version of that. Yeah, for factions. But I did, and I can't remember where I read the article from, but it was from a credible source. I think it might have been IGN or something. I can't really remember. Or like Video Game Chronicles, um, where Neil Druckmann was saying, you know, everyone was asking, you know, is there a part three? They said that, you know, if there is a story to tell, he said they have written drafts for a part three. But he did say, you know, if, if they can't find a story to tell, for a part three for the game, then he feels confident and content with the way how part two ended. And then, you know, they would just, that would be like the last of the last of us when it came to the video game franchise and they would move on to something else. But I I think he says that until a blank check shows up at a store. True. But I mean, but like, again, I I want there to actually be a story because like Mike said, you know, during when, when the last of us first came out in 2013, we didn't know we were getting a sequel or not. It was just that ambiguous ending where it ends with Ellie saying, okay, you know, she has, you know, chosen to believe the, you know, the lie that Joel has clearly told her because she can smell that stuff from like a mile away. But if they make a third game, I just I don't I don't want and this is just it, as a fan I want you know the Last of Us franchise obviously it's grown into some you know for like pop um, popular culture it's more mainstream now but I don't want them to like forget their roots if that makes any sense like I want them to still remain like a video game like I want the Last of Us to remain like a video game um, franchise first and foremost kind of how what Pokemon was, <laughs> but obviously that has evolved into something else. But you know, if, if they stick with what they have, I think it's fine. I just don't want them to make a third game so that they can then make, you know, like season three or season four 
of The Last of Us just just for the show's sake. You know what? If if that makes sense, I'm not sure if that's like too out there, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I've got the quote from Neil Druckmann right here. I was able to pull it up while you guys were talking. Um, the, so IG, he was talking to IGN and they asked him mm. about part three. He says, no comment right now. We're focusing on the multiplayer game. We'll get more details on that later this year. Then he goes on to say, beyond that, it's the same as always. If we're, if it's not something we're passionate about, we're not going to do it. It, we have to find a story that's compelling to keep it going. Otherwise, the series ends with The Last of Us Part Two. Mm, okay. Now, okay. Keep it. Keep in mind. They also <laughs> said this about Uncharted Four, and that Naughty Dog will never make an Uncharted game. And all of a sudden, there's rumors that Sony's like, "Hey, we're gonna just get another studio to continue the Uncharted franchise." Yeah. So there may, there's definitely gonna be a Last of Us game. Uh, actually, Druckmann does go on to say that there has been no pressure from Sony to make a third game, but they are also working on a multiplayer game. And after this show, right. they're like, Hey, can you make another one now, please? Thank you. If not, it's <laughs> going to blue point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like have blue point, take it over it. And that, that is true <laughs> because after Uncharted four, we did get the lost legacy. So, and that was also made by Naughty Dog. And obviously they want to continue. Yeah. Sony wants to continue the uh, Uncharted franchise, but yeah, for The Last of Us, I, I feel like it's more lucrative. I mean, Uncharted did come first, but it's, it's weird because you know, Uncharted has five games. Well, no, six games, technically, if you count the PSP game that came out, uh, The Golden Abyss. But The Last of Us, I feel like it's been more lucrative and just more popular because I like Uncharted. But, I mean, if I have, you know, the choice between playing through the last of us games again and uncharted i'm going to choose the last of us over uncharted i might i'll go back to uh, uncharted 4 like 100% because that game is fantastic but i probably wouldn't play every single uncharted game they're just older that's really what it comes down to they're like first generation ps3 whereas last of us was last generation ps3 and ps4 yeah so i feel like that's part of it like if they remade those like if they got the last of us part one treatment i'm sure that we'd all feel very different if they rebuilt those games from the ground up or just made continuations because i'm gonna be real uncharted 4 is more fun than any last of us game just to from a gameplay oh, standpoint interesting. Hot okay take. okay oh that, from a story I, I standpoint a it's take. last of us but yeah i don't think you're playing last <laughs> of us to have fun yeah exactly <laughs> that's my point so like if they want to like if that's the thing. Naughty Dog is in a weird spot. Like, if The Last of Us Part 2, because, again, everything that we've been seeing from the show, right, all these new lore bits, all these new story threads they've been kind of implementing with the cold opens and the expanded mm. material, they don't fit gameplay. Like, the scene with Anna, Ellie, and Marlene can't be in a game. That would just be like a 20-minute cutscene, you know? Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if The Last of Us does get a fourth season, you know, new material right. going forward and the game mm. doesn't happen. I can see that being a possibility, honestly. I can see that happening too, because I, I think I'd rather, I think I'd rather that be the, the outcome because I don't want the, obviously Naughty Dog has been really carried the PlayStation three on its back, like during that entire cycle. But I like that idea of, you know, if you're able to expand it, you know, if you're able to continue the story through television other than a video game, that might work 
because I just don't want them to make a part three and it ends up being like really like, I mean, we got like the third uncharted game. It was okay. Like, yeah, it was a naughty dog game, but like something about it just didn't feel right. And it didn't really hit me as hard as the other uncharted games. And I don't want that to happen to the last of us video games at least. So I feel like if Mm -hmm. they do continue, continue that story, whether Neil is involved or not, then they could probably just continue with, with t- television for sure. But I do agree with your point. Be careful Michael, what you saying. ask for. That's true, <laughs> man. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm just 10 seasons. See, I, I would for the last of us, no more than like four, maybe five seasons, four seasons. Like that, that's what you'd hope for, but you just gotta, yeah, just gotta hope they don't drag it out. Do you like the Barry and the Stranger Things and the Succession? Breaking now, Bad, it's like four the, one of the biggest examples. Yeah. It's HBO. That's another thing to keep in mind. Like, this isn't network television where they're trying to milk it for all it's worth. HBO's Yeah, like, Warner okay. Bros. is too cheap for that, right? I don't know. <laughs> right. They they're did ch- want more seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> they did. They did want more seasons of Game of Thrones. But I see where you guys are coming from. Yeah, like they they may just say, "Hey, Neil, go make us another show," and Neil might be like, "Okay, give me Nathan Drake," and then they go make them get Nathan Drake and do Uncharted properly. <laughs> they need to, I I to this day I don't understand how that that should have worked. It was Indiana Jones. You have the blueprint. You have the games. You have Indiana Jones. It's all there. But. Yeah, I kind of wish that was a TV show looking back on everything now, but it's odd how Sony's like, yeah, let's make a movie out of Uncharted. And then for The Last of Us, let's, you know, let's give it the real video game adaptation treatment. But hey, it is what it is. Um, but with all that said, was there anything else you guys wanted to uh, touch on um, before we kind of just give into our final thoughts and just rating for the, uh, the entire season? I think it's time for our final thoughts. Been a, a meteor episode. Get it? Meteor. <laughs> Zero out of ten, Devin. What are you talking about? <laughs> but Devin, uh, what, what are your final thoughts on The Last of Us episode nine? Uh, and then we'll go to Mike, and then I'll close out. Yeah, final thoughts. Um, like we like we mentioned, probably probably one of the more faithful adaptations so far of the game for this episode specifically. They didn't change the ending to anything crazy and i think that's definitely the right decision um as far as thoughts on this the season overall it's it's nearly perfect um i loved all the character moments i love the actors i love i love all the set pieces and just all the all the extra story they were able to squeeze out of that the game just couldn't get to because the game had other other things to focus on but i think the the major glaring weakness was the lack of the lack of infected slash action scenes throughout. Maybe that maybe that is part of Warner Brothers being on the cheaper side because it does cost money to to get the CGI scenes in there. Um, yeah, I hope that would I hope that wouldn't be the case because that's just unfortunate to handicap yourself like that. But I do think there it would have been great to have a few more scenes. I think it's a definitely a missed opportunity to not bring the, a bloater or that bloater back because. It just looks so cool. Like that was that's probably one of the most memorable memorable moments of the season was seeing that bloater just crawl out of that hole. And I think Seriously. that's definitely a missed opportunity to not bring that back because that was great. I, didn't, I don't know if they knew how good that was going to look because it looked amazing. And I just think <laughs> overall they could have could have really increased the overall enjoyment of the show with just like five minutes here or there of 
an action scene just sprinkled in throughout. But hopefully we can get some more of that in season two. And overall, an amazing series. Definitely the best of the year so far. Obviously, it's only been a few months, but I think that might hold strong throughout the year as well. I definitely agree. Uh, Mike, what are your final thoughts and ratings of this episode? I agree with Devin on just about everything there. Um, Going back to that bloater just for a second. It was great, but the bloater is important to the bond that Ellie and David kind of forge before things go south between those two. So I really think that episode could have stood to have, especially, you know, that being the penultimate episode, we have this one and we have that one infected at the beginning with Anna, but that's, that's it. Not having any infected in the the episode before this one feels like really the biggest missed opportunity. And, you know, I know we harp on that. This isn't a, a zombie show. This isn't a show about, you know, the infected and all that stuff. It's about the characters, but at the end of the day, it is based on a video game, and we fight a lot of infected in the Last of Us video game. So just yes, one do. or two more would have been would have been ideal to make it perfect. But that that aside, I loved what they did with these characters. I love how faithful this adaptation was. Um, they they took everything about the Last of Us that we loved and then enhanced it by adding new lore to it. Uh, while keeping the heart of the story the same, I thought the actors were fantastic. And this episode specifically, again, Ashley Johnson was great. Meryl Dandridge was great. Uh, Bella Ramsey, in the grand scheme of things, she was on the table for most of the episode. But the moments we got with her were still really emotional and powerful. Uh, like you were saying, mm-hmm. Christian, the, the giraffe scene, we didn't give that too much time. But I just love how we get to see, like you said, the, the joy in Ellie's eyes. She finally came back. And the light in her eyes is what forces Joel to make that decision. Joel's following that light. That's yeah. That she is his light. Like the first episode is called when you're lost in the darkness. The last episode is called look for the light. And so the darkness of Joel losing Sarah and the light of finding Ellie. I love how that all comes back around together and makes a really powerful story narratively. Uh, and the actors, again, they just kill it. I loved all of that stuff. I love uh, the moments with the doctor, like before Joel brutally murders the surgeon. (laughs) Um, That is extremely faithful. And then having Laura Bailey in that scene is, uh, why would Neil Druckmann do that? That's that's all I'll say. (laughs) But yeah. But yeah, this was a great season. This was a good episode. I'm just kind of laughing eternally because the last few episodes the the three of us have done, you and Devin were wondering how long this episode was going to be, and it ended up being the shortest of the season, and I had to just keep that to myself for like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, I can't say anything. They're not ready. <laughs> They're not ready. <laughs> I, I just didn't want to set you up for disappointment, because your first thing would yeah. be, well, they, they didn't have enough time. <laughs> See, yeah, that's... The- <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, as far as my final thoughts go, um, in ratings, it, you know, definitely it, it's, this is up there with, um, arcane. I mean, I know arcane is not technically an adaptation. It's more just a story based on characters from the video game. Um, with cyber, uh, cyberpunk uh, edge runners as well. Like between those two and the last of us, um, and Castlevania, I'll throw that up there. They're, they are some of the best like video game, you know, either based on a video game slash adaptations we've we've had and i hope that's you know we were getting like god of war 
you know, for Amazon and then a Horizon Zero Dawn for Netflix. Hopefully those studios will look at this for The Last of Us and say, you know, this this needs to be the blueprint going forward, especially when it comes to story-driven video games. And, I mean, I, I've loved everything about this episode. Like I said, the, the cold opening just destroyed me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I just, I, oh, it, it was just so powerful. This, you know, the entire episode, you know, pretty much just taken straight from the video game because you didn't really need to change much. There was like a small, you know, a few small little things that they added, you know, how, you know, Ellie was actually, you know, born immune, um, and whatnot but it it was it was perfect it was very perfect can't wait to see how they tackle the events of part two that's my next big question and you know if if they make part three then for for us as gamers that'd be great but you know if, if there's nothing else to tell i'm perfectly content with this but definitely this needs to be the blueprint moving forward for other video game adaptations for sure, for story-driven video games altogether. But with all that said, that pretty much wraps up on our review of The Last of Us Episode 9. I'd like to thank Mike for joining us for this journey. It was more of like an unplanned thing altogether, but honestly, um, you know, you being here covering this with us on a weekly basis, it's it's been a pleasure and just want to thank you so much for, you know, sticking out the journey with us. But I want to let, uh, give you the chance to let everyone know what's coming up in your life, what you have uh, up on the table as far as content and where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, guys, again, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast talking the last of us with you for all the episodes I've been a part of. It's, it's honestly, again, one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, it's the first YouTube video I have ever made. It is the first article I've ever written. Uh, and then the very first episode of the Chatter After podcasts that I've done with Brandon was The Last of Us. So a lot of firsts in my life has come from T. Lou, and I really enjoy being here with you guys talking about it. As far as what's coming up for me, um, you can just continue checking out my work at Collider.com. That's my written work. If you want to hear me continue talking about The Last of Us, we do have the Beyond the Clickers podcast on the Chatter After YouTube channel and podcast feed. We've reviewed all nine episodes. There's a couple bonus episodes there, though, if you want to check them out. Plus, we're still doing a live stream. We're doing a season recap Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure you check that out. And of course, the Amateur Otaku, where we're talking anime every single week. Um, this week, we're talking Tomo-chan is a girl and the My Hero Academia season finale. Make sure you join us there. It's been fun, guys. Is it? Oh, my. It's the finale. Is it? It's a time already. Oh, my gosh. I need to catch up. I got to catch up on a lot of things. But thank you so much, Mike, for all the information. Definitely check out Mike's work. Uh, he does fantastic work. No matter what outlet he is, you know, writing for or making content for altogether, all where you can find Mike will actually be in the episode notes down below. So his link tree will be there, his YouTube channel, all that stuff. But like, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. It was so much fun. You know, we're all Last of Us fans here. I definitely agree with Mike. It's it's probably one of my favorite uh stories ever told um especially through video game medium when, when you get that mp3 up control it just it gets you man i don't know what it is but it's it's fantastic but with all that said it is wrap on today's episode 
And if you like what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Optics. That is Optics with an X to stand the know. And always make sure to share an episode of our podcast with a friend. Whether it be your mother, your brother, or your significant other, make sure to share an episode of the Film Optics podcast with a movie lover in need. And really quick, let's take a sneak peek of what's coming up on the show. So on deck, we're going to be covering John Wick 4. You know, since we're now done with The Last of Us, we're going to be just covering a lot of movies that are going to be they're going to be uh, releasing here soon. Between John Wick 4, Shazam 2, uh, I forgot, Fury of the Gods. Yeah, that's the, the, the title of it. And then uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Very excited to like just dive into that world. I'm so happy that we're getting like another Dungeons and Dragons type property alongside Legend of Vox Machina. But what's out right now, you can listen to our episodes one through eight of The Last of Us, which where Mike has joined us. You can also check out our spoiler-free review of Scream 6 and our The Mandalorian Season 3 Episode 1 review as well. Again, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you enjoy the show, kindly leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know. That was Devin and Mike signing off. And remember to endure and survive. Peace.